This is an MVP podcast, My Village Productions. Welcome to Unsolved America, a show where we explore unsolved mysteries throughout the United States. I'm your host, Tiffany. I'm your host, Andy, and each week we'll throw a dart at the map and wherever it lands is the location of our mystery. This week I landed on Illinois. Oh, I can't wait to investigate. Yes. So I have two for Illinois because one. Two. Two. Oh my gosh. What? Okay. Because one, I really want to talk about it, Uh but it's really short because there's so little information available on this, on this mystery that we couldn't do a full episode on it. Okay. (laughs) So. I'm interested if that you like really wanted to push for this. I know. I know. So this is the story of Carol Rothstad. Okay. Carol Rothstad was a 21-year-old college student attending Illinois State University. While attending school, uh, Carol lived in a town called Normal, Illinois. (laughs) I hate (laughs) that name. is just so funny. Right. (laughs) It's not the first time I've heard it, but it's like. Just. That's just random. I live in normal. Normalville. Yeah. Anyways. (laughs) At noon on December 23rd, 1975, she was found beaten unconscious outside of her sorority house. Mm. She was found approximately 12 hours after the attack happened. The suspected murder weapon was an 18-inch piece of railroad tie that was uh, later found nearby. Mm. She passed away on Christmas Eve while in the hospital due to her injuries. The only suspects that they had any information on were two men, one of whom carried a club-like object, and they were seen between 10 p.m. and 10.15 p.m. on December 22, 1975. Hmm. Both were white males in between the ages of 18 and 25. At the time of the attack, most students had already left campus for the holiday break, and instead of returning to Elk Grove Village, Rothstad decided to stay in the Twin Cities to work at a retail store for the holiday. Which is normal. I mean, you want to make sure you're getting your money. Definitely. On Carol, they found her purse and inside was money and there was no evidence of sexual assault. Two women in the sorority house neither saw nor heard anything unusual and they were reported to be home all night. Mm. So anyone with information on this case can call the normal police department uh, or Crime Stoppers of McLean County. That is literally all the information that we have on Carol Rothstad's death. Insane. That is... I mean, first of all, it's like the holidays. Why are we murdering people? It's called it's this case was literally called the Christmas murder. Yeah, that's and for her to pass away on Christmas Eve, like you are ruining so many lives. So many lives. Yeah. And then you're also ruining the holidays. Mm-hmm. So Boo on you. I mean, it's been a good forty years since forty five years. It's been a long time. But that means that you all in college were in your six are in your sixties now from then. <laughs> yes. So you are still there. If you have any information, please. Yes, it's so it's so random. It doesn't seem like there was a lot of people around. It's just interesting that they saw two suspects walking around the area, and one was holding a club like object, which a railroad tie is a club as a club like object. But no and it's it's anything. weird that the sorority house, the, the girls in the sorority house didn't hear anything either, because I feel like she would be. Did they say it was two people or two men? Two men. Okay. One at the one. Yeah. One, between the ages of 18 and 25. Okay. Because I was like, if there was two people, then the two sorority girls. I'm just trying. <laughs> Could have done it. 
coulda. Coulda. Coulda, shoulda. So woulda. weird. That is weird. The 70s were also like a, a rampant time for murder. 70s and the 80s. I think all time has been a rampant time for murder. That's true. There's just a lot of murder, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Okay, so what's your second story? So my second one involves um, a young woman by the name of Robin Renee Abrams. Mm-hmm. Robin lived in Beecher, Illinois. On October 4th, 1990, Robin's uh, father recalls waving at her as they pass each other on Goodnow Road in the early evening. Unfortunately, that was the last time that he or anyone else would see her. 11 hours later, Robin's 1989 Dodge Daytona hatchback turned up 25 miles away in the nearby town of Harvey, Illinois. The car was locked, her keys in the ignition, and her personal items were left behind in the vehicle. An eyewitness reported that two men in a tow truck dropped off the car around 10 p.m. At around 3 a.m., a neighbor notified police that someone was breaking into the vehicle, and this is how they linked the car to Robin Abrams. Three days later, her purse was found three blocks away from the car's original location. Whoever took it left her wallet in the purse but removed all of her credit cards. I mean... Pretty standard. Yeah. At the time of her disappearance, though, Robin was dating a married police officer named Anthony Marquez. Mm. Her family was not aware of his marital status when they met him. Oh, man. Come on. And, and you know, actually, let me recant that. So he, they weren't dating at the time of her disappearance, but they were, they had been seeing each other for a while and she broke it off. We'll get into that in a little bit. Okay. So... <clears throat> The two of them met in 1987 while Robin was working at a McDonald's restaurant, and Marquez convinced her to join the sheriff's department, and she was hired as a deputy in 1988. In October of that year, Marquez allegedly smashed a car while Abrams was behind the wheel and her mother was in the passenger seat. What? This is when Robin ended her relationship with Marquez. So that was in 1988. In November, she filed a complaint that he was harassing her and had slashed her vehicle's tires on four separate occasions. Hold on. Both of these people are working for the police department. Yes. And they, no one's doing anything about this. Yeah. Not HR, not other police department no. people. Like, no. That is insane. That is harassment. Absolutely. Of coworkers, of a woman. Absolutely. That's insane. Endangerment. You tried to take my life. You smashed into my car. You tried to take my mother's life. I will will not. I will not. Marquez was charged with criminal damage to property, but the charge was dismissed for lack of evidence in April of 1989. Of course. The Sheriff's Department terminated Abrams. uh, They terminated her. They terminated Robin. I didn't mean to yell. I'm so sorry. (laughs) But that just frustrates me. Uh... (laughs) The Sheriff's Department terminated uh, Robin in December 1988, two weeks before the scheduled end of her probationary period. Oh. Mm. Mm. A short time later, Marquez filed a criminal complaint against Robin alleging harassment. The complaint was dismissed, but Marquez filed additional harassment complaints against Abrams in the summer of 1989. She was arrested several times that year, including in May for disorderly conduct and in August for reckless driving. Marquez claimed that Robin tried to run him off the road. Was she arrested by him? Does it say that? It doesn't say. Okay, go on. No charges were brought in the disorderly conduct case in October of 1989. A jury found Robin not guilty of reckless driving. So it so what it sounds to me is we have two people who equally have probably have a few screws loose. 
thing we that seem like we're in a really weird relationship toxic yes. toxic is the word absolutely and they're just bickering constantly back and forth or you're harassing me no you're harassing me i'm gonna slash your tires well i'm gonna drive you off the road like really <laughs> weird stuff is happening i guess that makes for the best love stories but also <laughs> I don't know about that. I know. I Driving know. people off the roads. I know. Uh, <laughs> Some people are just too intense. Truly. So in November of 1989, uh, Abrams got an order of protection against Marquez. She accused him of stalking her and falsely claiming she'd smashed her vehicle into his. The order was extended until November 27th, 1990. Okay. In December of 1989, Robin filed a federal lawsuit against Marquez and seven other members of the Sheriff's Department alleging wrongful termination, sexual harassment, (laughs) and violation of her civil rights. Absolutely. You had every right to. Thank you for doing that. Because what they were doing, aside from their relationship, Mm -hmm. what they were doing to her and was... Well, it sounds like they were protecting him over over her. her Because because he had seniority. And she was just a deputy on probation. Yeah, wild. So she was scheduled to give a deposition in the case on October 22nd of night. Uh, 1990, but mysteriously vanished 18 days before that. Mysteriously, huh? It's unclear whether Abrams' problems with the sheriff's department contributed to her disappearance. The Will County Sheriff's Department initially investigated her case, but the state police took over the investigation shortly after it began, citing a possible conflict of interest, which, yes, yes, (laughs) absolutely, they should not be doing. Like, they should not be in charge of the investigation. No, not at all. Because you're investigating a person that's bringing charges against your police department for sexual harassment and a violation of civil rights, and now they're missing? And you're also investigating it? That's not right. Yeah, you shouldn't be allowed to do that. And they they weren't, so the state took over. Good. Thank goodness. The police department fired Marquez in December of 1990. He still lives in the area. Renee's lawsuit was dismissed in January of 1991 because the plaintiff could never be located. One theory is that Robin disappeared deliberately to spite Marquez, but most investigators think that she she was met with foul play and is now deceased. Her family believes that Marquez was involved in her disappearance and stated that Abrams told them if she ever went missing, he probably had something to do with it. Obviously. Yeah. Obviously. Absolutely. That's, That's okay. She graduated from Sandberg High School, Moraine Valley Community College, and Governor State University, and was planning to eventually go to law school. And her case remains unsolved. This one is wild to me because, one, you got two people who work for the police department. Mm-hmm. Already red flags. So you're like, mm, we know how the system works. Right. And she's just a deputy. She's fresh on she's fresh on the on the scene, right? Like she's not she doesn't have very much experience. <laughs> she doesn't have the loyalty from the other coworkers probably True. too. And he does. The toxicity of the police department hasn't got her yet. Well, and you can just imagine how corrupt that police department is from what from what we're hearing. In the whenever that was, the 90s. Mm-hmm. Late 80s. 80s, early 90s. Yeah. Absolutely. It sounds like it's corrupt as fuck. They're trying to investigate the disappearance of a person who's suing the police department. No, no, not at all. And I get it. Like, it's in your county. Like, it is your obligation to investigate. But you should have recognized that there was a conflict of interest and tried to pass it on before the state had to intervene and be like, we need to do this. Absolutely. And 
it looks even more shady. Yeah. That you started the investigation and didn't do that. You didn't call in somebody else. Absolutely. I just, I just, this makes me, my blood boil for some reason. Absolutely. I don't, I don't know, like, first of all, yes, in the late 80s, early 90s, I mean, definitely it was not as well-known women being in a sheriff department or police yeah. department. But at the same time, like, you should not, they should not have had two quote-unquote lovers or people seeing each other working together. Together. They probably had the same supervisor, which, not allowed. Not allowed. Shouldn't be allowed. Well, and he was above her. You're right. And also, they had all of these issues and run-ins with one another. Truly. That, honestly, as a human resource professional or know about that, like, yeah, this happens? Like, both of them are gone or something has to be done. Yeah. Because it co- creates such toxicity in the workplace. rest of the yeah. workplace. Right. And so I just, I can't believe that it was prolonged for as long as it was, but got to the point where it did so many times like hitting each other's cars and mm-hmm. like hitting slashing her, tires hitting her car with the mother in it like yeah. come on well and i think it's it's really fun it not funny but it's really telling that she told her family that if she ever went missing that this guy probably had something to do with it which we've all made the joke about like a crazy ex or something like right we've all made the joke but for it to actually happen. Right. There had to have been something to lead her to say that. So my theory. Okay. My theory is Robin was probably going to go meet Marquez. Mm-hmm. He was like, hey, let's talk. And she's like, cool, let's do it. He just got off shift. She takes off from her home, sees her dad. Bye, dad. Be home later. Mm-hmm. Never returns. Goes to meet Marquez. It's probably him and a few of his other police officer buddies. They're hiding <laughs> in the shadows. Maybe, or they're just there. <laughs> Right. Something happens, some kind of struggle. She's now no longer with us. So now they have to they go into police mode and they try to stage a crime. Right. Why would a tow truck just drop off her car in the middle of a town that's 25 miles away? Because they probably didn't want to get any of their DNA or fingerprints on the inside of the vehicle. Right. Or they just wanted to show, like, throw off the scent. Yeah. And then all of her belongings were still there in the car. Her keys were in the ignition. And if I called a tow truck to take my vehicle home because it stalled, why would I have them drop it off at some randos, like, street in a town 25 miles away? I would have them tow it to my house. Right. And my, why is, like, my camera and my, per, like, purse still in the car? There, I mean... I, it just seems like such a slo- like <laughs> sloppy in the sense of that it's too clean. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. Like, it seems too textbook of a crime for it to just, like, to actually pan out that way, right. you know? Oh, yeah. And there, I mean, there's no evidence at all. Yeah. They probably, so they probably went, dropped the car. After a few hours, they realized that, no, like, nobody was reporting that there was this weird car in the neighborhood. So then they probably went back in. They broke in. Mm-hmm. So that it would get reported to the police. Well, and police just, they know. And this is if they're smart enough to figure all this out. But, I mean, <laughs> if they're working, they're, it's a sheriff's department or is it a police department? I can't remember. But yeah, it's probably a smaller department. Yeah. And I'm sure they have 
at least done a few break-ins or robberies and mm-hmm. they know that they need to wipe the fingerprints they mm-hmm. need to do all of that stuff police but it's just it's to me it's unforgivable that this has gone like dismissed for so long since the 90s because the person who was suing the sheriff's department of the town went missing and her crazy her crazy i mean her crazy boyfriend doesn't work there anymore but i doubt he got fired for that he probably got fired because he was just a dumbass Mm, yeah he sounds like one and this is welcome to my conspiracy corner this is all all speculation speculation. (laughs) (laughs) these are all my theories reading this out we're just getting a little worked up over something we don't know truly we we don't know but it's pot calling the kettle black kind of thing i mean you can see cause and effect yeah i definitely it's just weird to me that this wasn't investigated further by the state and why like the sheriff's department wasn't put under a microscope maybe they were maybe none of the stuff that i that i read really sounded like the state really did anything and i feel like it's because the state officers have so much on their plate oh yeah especially in this in a, in a place like illinois mm-hmm. how many crimes happen in that state they probably don't have time or the resources to actually like do a deep dive into each individual case uh-huh. But it just seems so fishy that, like, this person who was suing the sheriff's department miraculously went missing 18 days before she was supposed to testify to the federal court. Yeah, that, of course. Seems too convenient. It's like a, it's like a gang, a gang hit, you know, or like a, you know, it's a sister act. (laughs) They should have put her in witness protection Uh, with those nuns. Oh, man, with Whoopi. Aw, Sister Mary Clarence. Do you really want to go watch that now? No, you're welcome. Thank you for listening to this episode of Unsolved America. Head on over to Facebook and Instagram and follow us at Unsolved America MVP. And be sure to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform. If you need to contact us, please email unsolvedamericamvp at gmail.com. And we'll talk to you next week. This has been an MVP podcast. My Village Productions. 